You can't become Jay-Z in a year. That can't be the foundation of success as a community is become Jay-Z and become LeBron. No, use what you got because all of us got something. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's That's right. Lit. This is episode Rob Gronkowski. Are we on the air? Sweet dope. What it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Millionaire himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. What's interesting is uh, these these days, a lot of NFL players don't even do the 80 numbers. Like back in the day, receivers had to be number 80. And I actually saw a recent rule change. They're saying that uh, they're opening it up so that now receivers and I think DBs and maybe even running backs can do single digit numbers like they do in college. So you might see people out there with number two, number one, number seven, like the old days. I think it's cool, man. But some people don't like it. They look sexier. Yeah, it's definitely more sleek. When I played, I had a few single-digit numbers. I was number two when I first started because I wanted to be like Deion Sanders. Um, when I was in high school and like JV, I was number seven for Mike Vick. And then when I went to um, – when I was finally in varsity – I wore number one, and I thought I was the man in that number one jersey. I was too swaggy. I got it hemmed up. It was it was cool. They actually, yeah, I missed that number one. That was the best. That was the coolest number of all. Yeah, everybody wants to be number one, man. Yep. Everybody wants to be number one. It, 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 it looks cool. Like you said, it's sleek, man. Mm-hmm. It's simple. looks good, man. But talking of, uh, speaking of primetime, shout out to Deion Sanders, the coach, head coach at, um, what is that, Jackson State? What school is that? Yeah. Jackson State. Oh, it is Jackson State. Okay. Shout out to him for going to HBCU. Shout out to uh, Master P's son, Hersey Miller, for going to HBCU to play basketball at the C State. You know? Shout out to them. You know, put some light on it. Yeah. Waiting for this stuff for like years. And it makes an impact. Like you see Deion Sanders' games are on ESPN now. And so now you're seeing Jackson State on ESPN consistently. And then you're also seeing the teams that they're playing on ESPN consistently, the cheerleaders on, on, on TV, the the band and it's like even if they don't because i know at one point in time they were undefeated the game that i saw they lost i'm not really sure what their record has been since then but it doesn't matter if you go undefeated if you win all the games it's just cool that you're getting people that exposure to hbcu so i think it's cool it is it is definitely um shout out to p altogether you know that's one of our favorites on here percy miller yeah he has um what was his newest product that he came out with Ice cream. It was ice cream. Yep. <laughs> it says twenty five year, uh, twenty five year anniversary of the song Ice Cream Man. Yep. He came out with um, ice cream called L.A. Great. That's how you touch billions, though, man. You gotta, you gotta sell stuff that people need. Like you can't just be selling the luxury stuff. You can't just be selling the stuff that's high price, fancy, ambitious. Like you gotta sell those consumer staples. You gotta sell ketchup. You gotta sell baloney you got to sell like that's what we as a community should be doing everybody wants to do what everybody else is doing when you can't build a sustainable community like that it's it's unhealthy and I, I think it speaks to our ignorance in business when somebody starts a business they're doing well and everybody like copies that business like the book said it itself when you do that you kill both businesses both and so it's just cool to see him being diversifying his portfolio and not competing in the rap game rap game is saturated too 
Oh, most definitely. And that book, by the way, is The Miseducation of the Negro by yep. Carter G. Woodson, which we've referenced several times on here. Mm-hmm. Definitely to pick that up if you haven't before. Read that one. That's a good one. So you said in a tweet, everyone wants to be the Louis and the Gucci. And also a lot of people won't sell their products for a good price because they don't want to see them selling their products for the low. <laughs> Man, I forgot what triggered that thought. But um, I, I was just thinking, I was like, why, why don't people want to sell affordable stuff? Why do people want to sell these expensive high dollar items? And I think it's because they have their ID, their, their ego tied up in their price point. They're like, oh, well, I don't want to be seen as the bargain. I don't want to be seen as affordable. I don't want people to think that I'm cheap. I don't want people to think that I'm just a one-off. And I think that's a mistake. I try to do that. And quite honestly, like I launched a, a t-shirt spinoff of uh, the brand with the goal of just adding more layers to what we're doing. Cause the more layers that you add, the more relevant you are. And so I was kind of upset because the way that they do it, they price it for you. Now, the cool thing about Teespring is they do it all. All you got to do is upload the design. They're going to take the order, print the order and ship the order and send you back your profit. That's the only thing I like about Teespring. I don't got no inventory. I don't got to manage printing. I don't got to manage shipping because all that stuff is a headache and is very tedious. So that's one thing that I like about it and why I'm probably going to continue to run it and push traffic through that site. But my goal was to be like the super cheap person. And I, I just realized where I got this idea from because I have a bunch of views bags. And I was like, you know what? Tomorrow, I'm probably going to give away a bunch of bags, but I also want to run it like a $10 bag sale. And so I was like, $10 is crazy. It's insane. I'm definitely going to sell out. Yeah, people are... I need to replace my, I need to replace mine. Yeah, people are... They're definitely going to be happy. I think that particular bag that you're referencing is sold out, by the way. The red carry-all is gone. That thing is sold out so fast. I probably should have bought more. But I kind of wanted to just do limited drops because limited drops allow you to create demand. But um, yeah, so I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop my stuff for $10. And I was like, a lot of people won't do that. They're like, nah, this bag costs 200 This bag costs 300 But the hack is that... There are multiple members of the Walton family on the uh, on the uh, the Forbes list. Multiple. How'd they get there? How'd they get there by giving people cheap products? Bezos. He started out being the cheap alternative. Like it was supposed to be the cheap alternative to go through Amazon. Their membership subscriptions were super cheap. Even Netflix. Netflix didn't come out being super expensive. Tesla didn't really start popping popping until they made their cars affordable, and so. The hack is to figure out how to be affordable and still profitable. Everybody, like, it's easy to charge high prices to make a profit. That's common sense. But the strategy, the wisdom, the intellect comes into play. When you can give somebody a product that they don't even have to think about buying because it's so affordable and it fits in their budget, and you're also making money while doing it. And so I want to encourage us to apply intelligence to everything that we do. Don't just apply intelligence to business, to the business that you decide to go into. Apply intelligence within that business and how you strategically upgrade it. So, right. So, why why do you think people don't want to be seen selling affordable stuff? I just I think that I, I think that people don't really have self worth. They don't even really believe that they're valuable, and so I think that's why we have people who feel like they have to drive certain stuff or wear certain things. Um, I've even seen Muhammad Ali. He said, he was like, when you're black, like if you don't have this stuff, they just assume that you're nothing. They just assume that you 
that you just ain't shit. So he's like, so I got to get the Rolex. I got to drive the nice car. I got to wear the nice clothes because they're going to, they're going to treat me like I'm nothing. And on one hand, I agree with that, but I also think that it sets us back a little bit because now we're spending uh, our money to appear equal. We're spending all our money to just look as though we're worthy as opposed to spending our money to actually be somebody. And so people do it all the time. They go into debt to get these purses, these bags, these whatevers, and they're taking steps back, but they feel as though they are somebody. And so part of that is just because we're constantly being degraded. We don't even realize we're being degraded. And the music that you listen to and the movies that you watch and the TV shows that they put on the social media that you see, like you don't see that you're being degraded, but you are. And that's the worst part about it is folks should be dancing and jigging to their own degradation. They're like, yeah, I ain't shit. I'm a B. I'm an N word. I'm a hoe. I'm this, I'm that. And they'd be dancing to it. And that's honestly the most intelligent thing that the dominant society has been able to do. They've been able to convince you to do their work for you or for them. So they don't got to call you the N word anymore. You do it yourself. They don't got to split up the family anymore. You do it yourself. They don't got to tell you to not read and not pursue education. You do it yourself and you celebrate it while you do it. They don't got to kill you anymore, Alentia. You do it yourself. And that has been the biggest trick that they've played is to get you to do their bidding. And that's scary because people don't even see that they're doing it. They just they just think that this is the way it always is. Like, no, that's not the way it always is. I know somebody, they said that like people, there is a higher percentage of marriage during slavery than there was now. When they were actively splitting families up, people were still getting married. Like they, they just saw that they knew the power in marriage. They knew the power in marriage. And that's why they started to put things in place. And so I tell people there's power in marriage. They'd be like, ah, whatever, child, what you talking about? Like, no, like historically there's power in marriage, notwithstanding the, the things that you do see in real time. But like historically, the first man on earth was married. He wasn't a strong, independent man who didn't need no woman. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's funny. And that was early on too. Yep. Was, in fact, that was like the first thing he did. Well, not exactly. He said, it's not good that man be alone. He was out there being alone, wilding out, struggling, couldn't maintain the forest and whatnot. And God was like, I'll make you, uh, I'll make you a help me. He's like, it's not good that you're alone. Like, which in my opinion indicates that it's bad if you are alone. And so I, I really, um, we're talking about two different things, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but shout out to not being alone. This is, <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Talk Capital Mastermind Group. People, you got to join the group. Baby. It's just getting better and better every single week. Still affordable for now. Jump in. We are getting some traction. We already got 26, 27 recorded videos up there. This is people who have started a business and trying to get traction, trying to learn how to delegate, how to put together systems, how to make that money. Like if you're struggling in your business, come join us. Talk Capital Business Mastermind Group. Link will be in the description for sure. Come join us. And I saw somebody on Twitter at Business Famous said, you don't really hate Jeff Bezos. You just hate his money. <laughs> the, the reason why I shared that tweet is because um, the options community right. is, a, is a, I'm sorry, you said you don't actually hate Jeff Bezos. You just hate that you don't have his money, which is pretty good. Right. My bad. So I have something to say about that, Raphael. And what I got to say is the reason why I shared that is because um, the options community is a very unique place. Um, it's unique because um, I've taken a lot of a lot of really harsh commentary from the members of the options community. People literally were just calling me the B word and telling me I was treating people poorly and 
actively trying to like get people to cancel and leave and like really trying to destroy everything that it was like stirring up waters and trying to like hit the channel on notification so that they can like kind of like try to tear me down and I didn't understand why I was like what did I do like I've only done the only thing I've ever done was try to help people and now I'm like being called the b-word people are like if I see you in the streets I'm gonna f you up man and I was like this is crazy I was like what did I do and you know what I did Raphael I created something that generated a hundred thousand dollars a month and people hated that shit they didn't hate me they hated the fact that somebody was able to earn in one month what they probably don't make in a year. Now, the mistake of that is because I was able to generate that much money, which has now been cut in half because I've just been getting people trying to tear it apart. And I've had people going off and creating their own groups, people that I've hired, brought in, shared with what I was doing. Now they're like, well, I want to do my own shit now. So they went off and they're doing their own thing. I've had like three or four spinoffs. I've had people even use my consultants and advisors to figure out how to spin off a duplicate version of what I was doing. And so it's been cut in half now. I mean, it still exists, but the thing is, is how many people was I able to employ a lot? I had like eight admins. All of them were getting paid just to tap on Slack. Um, I had multiple VAs. I had multiple interns. I had a vending machine route runner. I had all these different things. And so you see the revenue, you think it's just me. Like, oh, Charles, you taking all the money. Like, no. I created a whole economy. I created something that was beautiful that now allowed other people to experience freedom, allowed other people to not have to get a job, allowed other people to trade full time without having to worry about how their goods, goods are going to get paid. And so you struck that down. And not only did you hurt, like you hurt my bottom line, but you also hurt a lot of other people in the process through your haterism. But the thing is, is why I took that is people don't hate me. I've never done anything for anybody to hate me. I have affordable products. Everything is inexpensive. I give a ton of value for free. We have multiple episodes of the podcast, multiple blogs, but you don't hate me. All I do is try to be a good role model and try to be a good person. You hated the fact that I was able to do that. And I think that that's unfortunate. But one of the things that I think of in the community is like, we can't just have a situation where one person just wins a lot. You got to spread the wealth. Everybody has to eat. Everybody has to do well. Otherwise, they're going to eat the rich. <laughs> eat the rich. That's like, I think that's the crazy, one of the craziest uh, phrases that's popped up in the last couple of years. Eat the rich. People are funny. Yeah. People are really funny. But you also got to hide, hide, hide your paper. Like, don't, don't show all your paper because folks... They will attack you and they'll try to make it seem like they're being objective. Like, oh, I don't like him because of this, this, and this. No, that's not why. <laughs> you know the reason why. Right, because you can't put somebody else's pockets in your jelly. Yep, they be counting them, man. I, yeah, they be counting them. That's the first thing they do. They look at the member count. They look at how much it costs to be a member. They're like, okay, so blah, 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 blah. It's like, all right, whatever. But what the cool thing is, is like there's people that are leaving and the people who should have been gone. Like there was a lot of really negative and toxic energy. And so I shared another tweet and it was like losing toxic people is a win. And so there are people who are stirring up waters, creating drama, like talking to people outlandishly, calling them bees, calling them BS N words, like just really bad energy. And so like what I would notice is every time the market would kind of not perform well, the energy in the group would turn really, really negative and catty and angry. Wow. And so the thing is, is like, I didn't build that by luck. I built it because I gave value for years. 
And so people will see like, he doesn't deserve this. Like, did you do 170 podcast episodes? Did you write a blog a day for two years? Did you work two jobs and drive Uber at nighttime? Did you do all those things? Because I did. Did you delay gratification and avoid vacations and not take weekends and holidays and all that other dumb shit off? Did you not spend money on dumb shit for all those years? Because I did. And so it's like, never ever look at somebody who achieves something and think they don't deserve it because they put the work in. And that's a problem because a lot of times in America, we as a people will see somebody successful and think they were just handed it and not look at the work that they did. And so we don't want to do the work to get there. We aren't willing to do the work to build the brand. We aren't willing to spend the money. I spent a ton of money on advertising. I was like, right, so you're going to spend the $1,000, $2,000 a month in advertising with Black-owned businesses? I put money in everybody's pocket. All I did was help people. I gave money to everybody. I supported and put everybody on. That's all I've ever done. And so when you strike me down, you strike the community down. Because there's not a lot of people out here that are doing that. Right, right, right. And the options community right now, you're trying something new with it. You're doing, giving a free week to try it out now? Yeah, so um, free seven-day trial. People to hop in, get acclimated. They can get a chance to see what we do, how we do it. Um, they can participate and contribute to the conversation. The cool thing about the group is whenever we have a situation like this that happens, we shrink and then we grow. And so last time this happened, I think we had like 3,000 members and then we shrank a little bit and then we grew to 5,000. And so this time we've shrank, but we're recalibrating a lot of different things. So we, um, I've doubled the pay on every admin, but I have less admins, but I have very qualified admins. Before, if you were just nice and you just participated in the chat, I was like, here, here's some money. Cause I was just giving people money cause I was just happy. But now I have very, very solid people who are knowledgeable, who are experienced, who want to help people who have been helping people. And so um, I have less admins, but I have better admins, solid admins, Not, nothing against the, the prior admins, but I just have a different focus. Um, and so the goal is to be intelligent about this. And so I was listening to a podcast. People don't realize if you listen to podcasts, it's a lot of gems in there. That like you have to replace certain music with podcasts if you want to level up. And one of the things he said he does is I'm a part of the morning meetup with David Shands. And to get in the morning meetup, he only charges you a dollar for the first week. And then after that, he charges you $79 a month. And the justification for why he does that is he wants to make it easy to get in. He wants people to be able to get in, see what they do, experience it, and be like, okay, I like this here. And so um, he does it for a dollar. I'm assuming it's so he can uh, capture your credit card information, but I do it for free for the first seven days because I wanted to have the same thing. I wanted to open that pull up and bring so many people in so that then once they see what we do, we're doing more things like we had a clubhouse today. Um, we had a study group today. We're continuing to add a bunch of value and just help people out. Um, then they'll kind of say, okay, I want to stay here. And it's, 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 it's a business move, but it's also like a helpful move because people want to try stuff out for free. That's why they give you free samples inside the mall. Right. Adding value, baby. Adding value. And even if I don't keep 100% of those people, if I keep 40%, that's still better than getting none of them. That's true. So episode 87, just want to apologize to the people because it's been a minute since we dropped an episode. It's been a while. I know it's been too long. Street's been waiting, but I uh, had a little situation. My apartment caught on fire and all my stuff went up in flames. Lost my computer, my microphone, my headphone, mm. my everything. So, you know, trying to bounce back. But my man Charles is like, you got to push through. You got to push through. So, you know, trying to, we're going to push through. 
and bar- you gotta push through, man. Borrowed my 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 son's little Chromebook that he uses to to do his schoolwork online. You know, little Chromebook. I don't even know what kind of memory it got or whatever, but you know, got me some headphones, and he just bought me a, a new webcam to work with it. Just trying to stuff all out for the first time. It looks seems like he's working pretty good, everything good, but you know, technically homeless right now. But pushing through, I'm good, and we are gonna make this thing work. You know, and I said this is this this is just gonna be the springboard. You know, you're just gonna take off from here. I mean, at the bottom, there's nowhere else to go but up. I was thinking, y'all about to watch. I mean, we, we on this on this podcast and on, online on Twitter, we we got Charles Grove get his first M's, especially in 2020. We got to see that in real time. And you know, play like you know, I've seen millionaires, but we never got to see them see one get there in real time. And you know, you about to watch my rise now too, because. I to like the Phoenix from the Ashes, man. Yeah, about to be the the. I was thinking about to be the, the black Jerry Glant out here, man. Jerry Glant, Uncle G. <laughs> you know, Jerry, the dude that works with uh Grant Cardone. What happened with him? You know, he he was a young young guy that works under Grant Cardone. You you kind of watched him get rich working with, with, with Grant Cardone, but like he was like his mentee. Right. It's going to get you them M's, Raphael. It's going down, man. It's going down. On with the show. Shout out to the people that rock with us. Shop Pure Body Company for the natural body care needs. Okiefa Shades, of course. Get Laceless. You know, shout out to the Talk Capital Mastermind Group. Let's get on with some more of these tweets. So, Charles. You said you can't get rich making good money. That's an old tweet right there. I told you I got some old ones. I don't even know why I said that. That's a super throwback. But um, I have a feeling that I said that for a few reasons. Um, When you have a high salary, um, you're still trading time for money. And then when you trade time for money, you tend to kind of elevate your lifestyle to that point. So most people who were like lawyers, now they got to drive the lawyer car. Now they got to wear the lawyer suit. Now they got to go to lawyer dinners and that kind of stuff. Plus they got lawyer student loans. And so it's tough to like really do that. Um, When I say making good money, I mean like making good money, working a job. Um, I saw a tweet today from the money realtor and she said that she had made, I think in one day as much as her nine to five would pay her for two weeks. And I was like, that's why we are so anti-job. Because when you really see how much money you can make, you realize that these jobs are robbing you because you probably generated that much money for your job anyway. So like your value is your value, whether you're at the job or you're working for yourself, you're always generating what you could generate. The thing is, is they're probably only giving you a percentage of what you generate because they got to pay the overhead. They got to pay the the bosses and whatnot, but just making good money. I just, I've never really seen anybody make good money and retire with dignity because it just doesn't work out unless you get one of those retirements that's like a a, a city retirement those government retirements where they pay you like 90 percent of your salary and yeah those things are crazy because that's just like you're just getting paid for nothing but i mean i know a few people in my family who have had those yeah People like 45 years old and like retired, like early 40s. Like I did my 20 years and I'm done. Yeah. So those things work out a lot. Those things work out well. I saw even uh Mrs. Two Weeks Out. She was talking about she's a fire battalion chief and she about to, she still got her job. And she said she's so close to her doing her 20 years that she's gonna stick it out. So she yeah. Get her full pension. But anyway. I respect that. That makes sense. That is a solid pension. My uncle has one of those and he just travels. That's all he does. He just travels. He goes to Germany. He goes to Italy. He goes wherever he wants to go, whenever he wants to go. He drives what he wants to drive. 
He's living the dream. Now, the only thing about that, though, Raphael, is you can't pass that down. At least to my knowledge, you can't. Mm -hmm. And so, like, that's another reason why, like, the job isn't a good look. I think you, at best you could pass it to your spouse, but that's... Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So it's like, but if you the, build if you build wealth, you could pass everything down to your son. The business, the properties, what have you. But you can't put, you build you can't that retirement. Name, you can't put your name on a pension. Right. Like, there is no Charles Oglesby pension here. Like, <laughs> you can put your name on a suburb building. You can put your name on a business. That you, you can. And pass it down and do what you want with it. Now, shout out to Master P again. So I was watching a, a brand new uh, interview of him on The Breakfast Club. Again, this time with him and his two sons that play basketball. And it was good stuff, man. He's stressing family, 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 and business. And having product, like you always say, too. Now, he got ice cream and water. Like, don't stop. But he's not he stopping. Had, he, he's definitely not stopping you had a tweet where you said let me see where it is dope it's dope seeing athletes and rappers do big things but let's not become complacent and let them be the only people making moves yeah um i feel like when we have so whether people know this or not we went through a huge renaissance over the last four years why because folks were under the impression that the government wasn't going to do nothing for them so they had to figure out how to do it themselves and guess what they did People are hustling. They are supporting each other. They are sharing each other's successes and businesses. They're helping them get customers. And the problem is, as a community, we tend to, to vote in hopes that the government is going to one day, after 400 years of not, one day we're going to get the right president and that president is going to make everything all right. The problem is when that happens, we tend to do nothing. We stop. We put our hands under our, our butts. And we just chill and we start celebrating other people's success and we start treating it like it's our success and we start living for symbolic victories. And this person is the first person to do that. So we're making progress as a, as a people or Jay-Z just made a half a billion dollars. So we're making progress as a people or Diddy just did that or LeBron James just did that. And we we stop pursuing it for ourselves, and we put that energy into celebrating other people's wins. Whereas before Everybody else is trying to get their own wins. And we saw people do crazy stuff. Derek Grace became a multimillionaire. Um, several people have just been killing it. Everybody that you look at is like, yeah, my business has just blew up. I got a Rolex. I got this. I got that. You've seen David Shan's business blow up. You've seen the whole circle of CEOs blow up. You've seen Earn Your Leisure. We saw them blow up, blow up. They're out there buying Rolexes, buying Range Rovers, buying trucks. Like we've seen people blow up, man. And that has more of an impact on the community than LeBron James. LeBron James' success belongs to his kids and maybe his friends, but that doesn't translate into success for the culture. It just, it becomes like, they do that on purpose in a lot of ways. What they'll do is they'll, they'll give you one successful person to show you that it's possible, but they don't want everybody to be successful. So it, it, it kind of becomes like tokenism in a sense. It's like, oh yeah, we, we aren't keeping everybody down because look at LeBron James, look what he did. But like, I don't want LeBron, like I want the, co the culture to be wealthy. I want the community to be wealthy. I want you to be wealthy. I want my mom to be wealthy. I want everybody that touches me and is around me to be successful and wealthy. And a lot of times that happens not just by spreading the money, but spreading the knowledge. So if like LeBron does it, that's cool. Hooray, LeBron. But like if I do it now, I'm over here funding my mom clients. And so my clients become my mom's clients. She says she's had a huge tax year. 
um what else my knowledge becomes my mom's knowledge my uh systems become my mom's systems we've shared vas we've shared graphic design people we've done a lot of things that that bleed over into each other's business but lebron james success doesn't make that happen for my family if anything it actually defeats people because what they say is like oh well if i was a pro athlete and i was making millions i'd be able to do what lebron does too and so they never do anything. If I was Jay-Z and I had millions, I'd do what Jay-Z does too. If I was Nas, I would do what Nas does too. And so they don't do anything. And so I'd rather uh, see the everyday person getting out there, figuring it out, getting it done, coming on a podcast and talking about how they work two jobs or they they flipped their credit into this and then they blew it up that way or they, they spent money on ads. That is relatable to the culture. LeBron James being a one in a billion athlete, nobody can repeat that. And that's why it's not helpful. It doesn't help anybody. Literally, that success does not help anybody. It does not inspire anything. If anything, all it really does is push more people into trying to become professional athletes and then fucking their lives up because it didn't pan out for them or trying to be rappers and then it didn't pan out for them. And so that's another reason why I just don't like that, that narrative because now it's like, all right, we're not focusing on how we can get it. We're focusing on, I'm going to be a rapper now. I'm going to just forget everything else because rap is the way. No, get your credit together. Get a minimal viable product. Take it to market. Create digital product and do that. The success that we had was an example for what's possible. And so when you see people like Crystal, Mark, NYC Phone Buyer, uh, all these people who are doing dope stuff on digital products, they're doing it because they saw what we did. You can't, you can copy that. I gave you the blueprint. Even if I didn't give you the blueprint, if you just watch, like, but you can't become LeBron in a year. You can't become Jay-Z in a year. That can't be the foundation of success as a community is become Jay-Z and become LeBron. No, use what you got because all of us got something. Pure Body Company formulates an amazing range of emollients with shea butter at its base. Pure Body Co. focuses on providing all natural handcrafted products for all people. At shoppurebodyco.com, you'll find body butters and lip balms that are not only moisturizing, but none of our products contain preservative or even those unrecognizable chemicals. So if you're looking to keep your skin soft, visit shoppurebodyco.com. And remember to join PBC Perks to receive rewards as you shop. Was got something on a side note shout out to nas uh, i've never been a never been a, a nas fan always been a jay-z fan but never never really talked nas like that but shout out to him he's doing big things in the investment world uh he's making his money off coinbase recently and all this stuff money off ring but I, i'm wondering why is it that when they get a win people are still people are celebrating but then they still gotta come with hate like comparison like oh jay-z jay-z may have half a billion yeah but nas though then people come like Nas made that money off of Coinbase. Like, come on, man. Eat this over. Like, the beef is over. Like, why are y'all still trying to do Jay's Nas like over a decade later? The crazy part about it, man, is when who I think J. Cole said, he said, they act like two legends cannot coexist. And so I've experienced that. Um, I've experienced people trying to drive a wedge between me and Chris. Um, even like falsifying stuff. Like I used to have a ton of uh, affiliates and like affiliates would like go in his comments and they would see somebody talking about his course. And then they would like DM that person and say, Hey, Chris doesn't have this course. Come check out what Charles has over here. 
And so folks think I'm over here sending people into his followers DMs trying to poach his clients. And somebody took a screenshot of the DM somebody sent him and they said, look at what Charles is doing. I was like, how is that what I am doing? I have thousands of, 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 of affiliates at, at that point in time. And there's been other things. Um, and it's sad. I don't know why, but it's like they want the beef. They want folks coming at each other's heads because that's another way to destroy you. Like if I can't prevent you from getting money, well, maybe I can create somebody who is on your level. The thing can take you down and, and humble you. Since I can't humble you, I got to humble you, uh, find somebody who can. I put out a tweet and there was somebody who like got mad at me once and their comment was like, oh, well, that's why Chris is getting more money than you. And I was like, nice. what kind of homo stuff is that? Like, I never really, like, you bragging about somebody else's money? That is some weirdo stuff, man. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, it's unfortunate, man. But what I'm finding is, and this might sound crazy, but when you get to that level, you can't have conversations with people that aren't at that level because the conversation has different motives, different intent. It's not pure. And it usually doesn't help you. And so like, that was one of the mistakes that I made is some people just want to get a rise out of you. Like there's somebody who was a part of the community and he used to be my Twitter and his only goal was just like to piss me off. Like his goal was to like, let me say something, let me do something just to make Charles mad. And I was like, that's crazy. Like you woke up this morning. Like I want to make that guy mad. I've never been that guy and it's other black men. And, and so like, it's frustrating but like the rules change as you, as you change, you can't operate the same way. You can't like, that was honestly kind of Nipsey Hussle's like thing. You want to, you feel like you should, people at that level think that you should, but you can't, man. You just can't, you can't have that interaction. You can't have that conversation because the, the thought process is way different. The thought process is different. Even like the thought process that it took to even get to that level is different. Like, you're over here giving value, helping people, even when you don't have money, even when you aren't successful. And that other person is just me, 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 take, take, take. And then as you grow, you're still the same person, but they, they just have like a negative mentality. And so you got to get away from that. Yeah. You won't get far in life being negative. Uh, you can't, you can't get up by pulling other people down, man. That, that just does not work. Does not work, man. But, but some, have- some folks, they don't like, you got to study how to get up. Like the reason why I listen to podcasts isn't because I just like hearing people talk. It's because I'm looking for different ways to grow. I'm looking for different ways to improve myself. And there's people who aren't willing to do that. And so they just think that all hope is lost. And so all they know how to do is pull people down. And it's unfortunate. And you want to try to like reason with them or teach them something, but they're just unwilling to even learn what it takes. And so that's the only tool they got is hate, 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 hate. <laughs> the haters will always be among us like the poor now you had a tweet where you said everyone thinks they're superior to you but what matters is what the scoreboard says mm. um another one of the reasons why sports is cool is because sports is objective like i always tell people this well i don't always tell people this but i have this thought like when it turn when it comes i look at like races like sports teams and we're all kind of like competing for our sports team and like the african-american community for some reason we think that our team is only good if the opposing team says we're good. 
So we're the Lakers and we're like, Celtics, please tell us that we're good. Please agree that we're good. Please give us all your players and change the rules so that we can be good. And that's not how it works. Like Laker fans don't give a fuck if the Celtics fans like them. They don't care. In fact, they expect them not to like them. They expect them to be against them, rooting against them, hoping their players get injured, hoping they don't win any games. And so we got to start approaching life in America like that. If we can be on the same team, great. But my self-worth and my fandom and whether I'm going to root for my team isn't contention upon the Celtics agreeing that I'm good. And so one of the things that I've realized when you, when I meet people in person, everybody in person thinks that you're equal or they're superior to you. And that's why social media is so cool because social media quantifies your value as a person via followers. And so like, People can look at your follower account and see if people think that you're valuable. And in certain respects, that's a scoreboard. People can look at your bank account and figure out if you're valuable and that's a scoreboard. And so like in life, I don't like to do too much debating. I don't like to do too much back and forth. It's like, what do the results say? What does the scoreboard say? There's a lot of ways to, to calculate the scoreboard. We can look at degrees. We can look at your hourly income. We can look at your annual income. We can look at, I don't know, where you live, what kind of car you drive. And I feel like that matters more than just somebody's opinion because the world and the internet is just full of opinions and a lot of them are subjective and a lot of them are biased and a lot of them are really just based on people's own ego and lack of accomplishment for themselves. And so you can't walk around basing your self-worth off of somebody else based on their approval, based on whether they rock with you because a lot of people don't like you and have nothing to do with you. Right. And it's funny, like I just started reading this book uh, called No Excuses by Brian Tracy. It's kind of old. Not, nah, it's not really that old compared to some of the books that we read. Um, and he talks about paying the price for success. And he said, how do you know that you've paid the price for success or whether you have a, haven't paid the price for success? Look around you. Do you have, are you successful? Do you have what looks like success to you? Where are you living? What kind of car are you driving? Are you living the life that you want to live? Are you making the money that you want to make? If the answer is no, then you don't have the price yet. Mm. You haven't done what it takes yet. So uh, keep that in mind. Get back in the lab. Yeah, man. And you said invest your money. Never know when your business will die. Man, so um, I, I knew that COVID was a, a once in a lifetime experience and I knew it couldn't last because ultimately the world's going to have to go back to normal, right? It's not like this is a permanent thing. And so as I'm making this money from the community, we are investing it in stocks and real estate and trucks. And so that's why we bought the truck because I need that income, whether the community exists or not. That's why I bought a house because I need that income, whether the community exists or not. So I was always like, I just knew that the hype would go up and it would come down. And so I wanted to make sure that I did intelligent things with that money. And the intelligent thing to do was invest in assets, assets to pay cash flow and pay that cash flow forever. And so we're making this money. And the goal was to buy even more homes than I bought, but I still have a lot of money sitting there. So I got to pay taxes, but I still have a lot of money sitting there just because I want to make sure that I can just buy a bunch of homes. So the market is kind of unique. Um, it's not as, it's not as forgiving as it was before, but that's the goal. Take the money, create the income. Don't take the money and live out of the money because a lot of it is once in a lifetime money. So you want to make that once in a lifetime opportunity permanent, but also locking your lifestyle permanent. So I was doing a calculation and I was like, all right, so SPG pays me about 5,000 a quarter in dividends. Um, Exxon pays me about a thousand a quarter in dividends. That's like six grand a quarter, quarters, three months. That's two grand a month. I'm going to just put that on the mortgage. 
the mortgage is done. So now you're basically a house hacking, living for free or a mortgage hacking. And I did that through the pandemic because I was very intelligent with the money that I, that I had. And I'm actually impressed with myself because we, we made the money on the capital gains, but then we also created dividend income, but then we also diversified and getting the truck and getting other rental properties and fixing up the rental properties that we had. So that was another thing that I did. So I poured a lot of money into getting those rental properties right. We painted properties, we installed new windows. We uh, just went through and just did everything the tenants asked for. We just did it one swoop, um, invested in like curb appeal, doing really, really high quality rehabs that the tenants love. And they're actually bragging about to their friends and family. They're like, people come to their house and like, man, does your, does your landlord got other homes? And so um, I just think it's important to always be investing, just be like, especially the money that like, I don't really trust too much. I don't trust money unless it comes from an asset, an asset that I know is indestructible. And so all the cash that I get, I'm always looking to put it to work so it can create cash flow. The name of the game is cash flow. If you never pay, play the game cash flow, it doesn't matter how much money you have. You can't even win the game if you don't have cash flow. Like you win the game by getting cash flow that exceeds your living expenses. And so you're going around, you're getting your cash. You might get some money in stocks. You might get some money there, but you still got to put it to work. You got to really go broke putting your money to work because then once you get that cash flow that exceeds your living expenses, now you're free. Now you get to go and live your dream. And so that's the goal is to, to live the dream, not to always be worried about do customers like you? Do they not like you? Um, are they going to stay? Are they going to cancel? Blah, blah, blah. Like, no, like you get your big money and you create, you create protection. You got to protect yourself all the time, not just when you have a job. So a lot of the stuff that we did, like a lot of stuff that I did was to protect myself from being fired. Like I've been fired and I never want to go through that again. And so like when I was working, the reason why I had a part-time job was to protect myself from being fired. I was like, all right, I got a part-time job. So if I get fired, I can still eat. I could still put gas in my car. I could still do these things. I never want to go to zero. I never wanted to go to zero again because zero is a scary place. Low income is better than no income because zero is a scary place. And so that's what I did. And then the rental properties, um, different other ventures, different side hustles. I did that because I just, I just never trusted a job. I've always, I, I just, I just knew that people are fickle. People are finicky. They'll let you go uh, the next day and they don't even care. Don't even bat an eye. They'd be like, ah, poverty for you, bro. So you got to treat your business the same way. You got to protect your finances. It's not even about job or business. It's about strategically, like Erica says, putting layers between you and homelessness. Yeah, she does say, say that. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is something that she says all the time. Definitely. You got to put those layers between you and homelessness. And on a quick side note, people, if you listen to this and you rent an apartment, get yourself some rent renter's insurance for sure. Because something happens to your apartment, for instance, like a fire, the landlord is not responsible for replacing your stuff. Mm. So get yourself some renter's insurance if you rent after the show. Now, Charles, you had to you said the pivot in my company came before i learned i would rather teach you how to invest than do the investing for you mm. yeah um i find that when you pay a bunch of money for knowledge you kind of want to hoard that knowledge you're like this is my knowledge i'm keeping it and so like for a while i kind of didn't want people to know what i knew because if they knew what i knew they wouldn't need me and the problem is then you take on a lot of responsibility that you don't want to take. Then you're uh, responsible for like dealing with a bunch of different personalities that you don't want to have to deal with. 
And you also like, you just can't make much money doing it that way. There's a book that I read when I was in law school and it was about real estate investing. And the guy said that he made millions in investing in real estate, but he made hundreds of millions teaching people how to invest in real estate. And so I was like, oh, I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the person who's actually doing the real estate because that's more noble. And like, that's what I thought. I was like, I don't want to be the person that just teaches it. Cause you know, they say like those who can't do teach and those who can't teach do. Um, but I think that's nonsense because we can do all these things. The thing is, is there are a lot of labor and time intensive. And so I found that if I teach you these things, yeah, you might know what I know, but I can touch so many more people. Because I can, like, the world is so massive. And to think that everybody's going to want to work with you as an investment person, everybody's going to want to participate in your opportunities, it's just ridiculous. And also, there's so many unknowns when it comes to investing that you kind of don't want to take responsibility for. Like, the stock market can turn against you. Real estate can turn against you. Tenants cannot pay. Contractors can rob you. All these different things that if you're the person who's out front, you become responsible for it. And people are looking at you crazy, like, oh, it's your fault. Like, no, that's just the market. And so I didn't even do it on purpose. I started out teaching on other people's platforms. I started out on Andre Hatchett's platform and he wanted me to teach a class. I think I taught a class on investing as a group. So I did that. And then the next class was the long distance real estate class. And I never taught before, but I saw, I was like, okay, I can do this. I can work through some slides. I have some valuable information in my brain. And so then I launched the long distance real estate investing course on my own platform. Um, and while I was doing all this, I was also an affiliate for Terry Joma. And so I was helping Terry through my podcast and through my social media kind of promote her course. I made a few bucks. I was able to supplement my income around like a thousand dollars a month, maybe a little bit more some months, which is cool. Cause I mean, it helped. And so then I just, I started putting out the, the real estate course. I started putting out other courses and I was making good money. I was telling people like, I never forget the first day I made two grand in a day. I never made two grand in a day. I thought I was the man. I was at the rooftop in LA. I was like, cash me out. Whatever you, whatever y'all got, it don't even matter. I made two grand. Um, and I realized like people want the knowledge. And then I also realized that you can make a lot of money selling your knowledge. And then I also realized you don't got that much responsibility because I'm just giving you the information. I'm not, because the thing is, is when you apply the information, it becomes so much more risky. If I give you the education, that's it. If I try to apply it, now you step into liability. And so that's what people are like, oh, why are you taking it with call outs? I don't want the liability. I don't want the, I don't want the responsibility. I don't want to be the person who's trying to lead you to where you're going. I just don't want it. You got to do things to avoid liability and to avoid risk. And that's risk. I never want it because like I get it wrong sometimes. Investors get it wrong sometimes. Like these pro people that you see out there, they're not just batting a thousand. Some of them are batting like 60, 40. Some of them are taking a loss. Some of them are so conservative because they don't want to take a loss. And so you see these hedge fund dudes and they're returning like 7%. They're like, I don't want to take that risk. I can't afford to take that L. I'd rather make you 7% and take whatever they get. And so for me, just from like a risk perspective, I can promote it more. I can advertise it more. I can put it out there more by just teaching you the information. And so like that is where I kind of want to play. 
as opposed to trying to be like this big money manager. Yeah, and now you say that. I mean, think about these people with the VCs. They, they, they what? They, they, they back a hundred companies, and and ten of them work, and ten of them make big money for them. Like ten percent of the investments really knock it out of the park. But the ten make so much money that it all works out. But mm-hmm. you gotta be willing to lose money on probably eighty percent of them, and like another ten will be okay. Maybe you get your money back, but most of them you losing money. Mm-hmm. Never take. And so, yeah. and that's the thing. I still invest. I just don't want to invest for other people. <laughs> I still am, I'm still in these streets. I'm still buying property. I'm still buying stocks. I'm still doing all that stuff. I'm still trading options. But like, I, I won't, I won't sign up to be that for somebody else. When I found out that the knowledge is more valuable, I can sell the knowledge at an affordable price and, and pay off all the student loans and get everything right. And so that's the thing is like, it's low risk, high return. Selling your education is low risk, high return. And you might think that you're selling yourself short. And a lot of people, this goes back to the conversation we had earlier. A lot of people are like, I'm not giving you the knowledge that I paid $40,000 for, for $40. They're not going to do it. And the problem with that line of thinking is that your people need it. Your people need what you know. And then also when you compound that by the amount of people that are out there, you're going to get your money back in droves. Yeah. It's funny you're talking about, you know, people make fun of you. Like people like to say those who can do and those who can't teach that kind of silly stuff. I saw a Facebook ad, some kind of ad on Instagram from this guy, Corey Arvinger, I think his name is, from the company Support Back Colleges. And people are in the comments. And this one guy says, Camp, this guy is fake. He's selling an ebook about how to start an e commerce business and be successful. He said, I'm giving, I'm giving you like actual names of vendors that I use, how to do this, how to scale, everything everything for like a $30 ebook. And guys, like, if he was really doing all that, he wouldn't even have time to teach you. Like, so this, he's not even real. Like, no business owner is going to create a uh, competition for himself. And they were going on and on. And so I'm like, wow, look at that, man. Yeah. And, like, I thought it was fake. I'm like, the dude is wearing the, he's wearing his hoodie that says support black colleges. You do, obviously don't recognize this guy. Like, yeah. Proof. Like, he has a big brand. So you're just talking shit in comments. They are crazy rich. Um, I don't know if I got a chance to mention this but god is dope um i hope i mentioned them earlier because i was talking about affordability as a as a strategy and they made a bunch of money selling six dollar t-shirts Raphael, six dollar t-shirts and they were making hundreds of thousand dollars in a day because nope nobody's gonna not buy a six dollar t-shirt Raphael. you can't buy it like and that's what you want you want to be in a position where nobody's gonna not buy it and so the thing is is like that's a common misconception is people will say well like oh well if if why would they sell a course if they're making money doing that because bozo i just told you you can make a hundred million dollars selling what you know and you can make a million dollars doing what you know you're only one person the world is billions of people large you don't even need every person to buy your product you need twenty thousand people out of a billion with social media if you can't get twenty thousand people what's wrong with you especially if it's afford to be priced Like that's the value exchange. Now, the scary thing, and I think I mentioned this in the podcast before, but like a big part of the reason why a lot of us were were able to win is because the big people who have the big bucks, whether they get it from foreign overseas or they inherit it, they all had to shut down their businesses. You couldn't go to a concert. You couldn't go to a theater. You can go to a restaurant. And so the only place you can go to was us. And so it was like a big wealth transfer. Now, the crazy part about it is imagine all the money they're getting when the world is open. They're getting bread. And so all those millions that folks are able to capture, they've been getting those money. They don't, they don't floss it because a lot of what I'm realizing is what a lot of wealthy people do 
is they don't even put it in their own name. Mm. They get wealth and it's in some entity. It's in some trust. It's over there. I just have access to it, but it's not me. So you look at their income and their net worth and they'll look broke. So they probably got a lot more money than we even know about, man. It's just off the books. It's in some trust. It's in some estate. It's in some LLC somewhere, some S-Corp, some C-Corp, some foreign corporation. Like they got bread, bread. We just got a chance to get a tiny slice. And so I just think it's interesting because when you are successful and you are African-American, a lot of the people who have this mindset that you can't be successful because you are African-American come for your head. Something must be wrong. They must've did something. And that's one of the things that I saw because I posted um, a podcast interview from the PG-365 guys. And you probably know them. And um, he said that like when they blew up, people were kind of coming for them. I was like, that's crazy. Like, it's just, it's, it's unfortunate because that's the first thing that they, they, they expect. Like, oh, something must be wrong. Like, why can't something be right? Like, somebody's like, oh, they're Long Island scammers. That's what they did. I'm like, that's crazy. <laughs> he's like, he's like, if you were successful in black, it's, it can't be right. He don't get, why you got a Lambo? What's you doing over here? You selling drugs? Like, no, like all this stuff that I've been working on, it manifested. I've been working on passive income and working my way out my job and building up different sources of income for the longest time. And so now I'm able to make money without leaving the house. And people are like, why don't you got to leave the house no more? Because I did what I said I was going to do. <laughs> it's funny that you said that thing about wealthy people putting uh, stuff in trust and stuff and not having the names on certain things. And Petway Estate, shout out to Petway Estates. I got to reach out to them and get them on. On Twitter, it's at Petway Estates. They had a tweet that said, what the Super wealthy won't really tell you. You'll never know their net worth because most of their assets aren't in their personal name. They're usually in their corporations or hidden in trust. Control everything, own nothing. Yep. That's what Kiyosaki always says. Yep. Control everything, own nothing. But you mentioned the, 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 the truck before. What's the news? What's the latest in the Todd Capital Trucking Chronicle? Yeah, man. So I don't know if I told you, but I got my own authority. So I don't know if we were on since that happened. It was relatively straightforward. Um, it took like an hour. I bought the truck in Justin course. He walks you through the whole process and I did it and I saved myself a bunch of money. I'm not sure how much I paid for the truck in Justin course, but there's a, a company that I use locally to do certain things for me. And, um, they knocked and they wanted to charge like 1300 bucks to do the authority. The same work I did in that hour, they want to charge $1,300 for. So I got that. And then when you have your own authority, you got to put your information on the side of your truck. And then I also needed to get a unit number for the side of the truck. And so I went online. I was like, I need to get trucking authority stickers. And I found this site. They do it. They print it. They mail it in like two days. And I got it done. And um, so now I'm in the process of looking for a driver. And sometimes ideas don't come to you straight out. You got to kind of sit in them for some time. And um, I remembered that there is a truck driver recruiter that I reached out to, she said that she can find, or he said he could find a, a, a driver in like a day, but you have to have everything situated. You got to have your authority, your insurance, your IFTA, all that stuff, your permits. There's a lot of stuff you got to get for these trucks, man. There's a lot. And so I was like, I got all that stuff now. Let me contact them. I can't find that information for shit. So that sucks. I'm still trying to find that information. So I put out a post on Instagram, like, who is this person? Because once I find them, that's cool. But this is why you got to listen to podcasts. I was listening to another podcast and there's this dude named Business Builder Bees or Bees. And he was being interviewed by David Shands. And he has like eight businesses. And he's like, the only business that he has that's struggling is his trucking business. 
And he was like, um, he's like having the same problem that I'm having. He was like, yeah, like the problem is like finding and managing drivers. And David Sham was like, that's the hardest part. And so he said, and he says like, that's the hardest part. And he said, but he, he found this company called, uh, oh, I forgot their name. I just started watching that podcast. So I didn't... It's like Pri- Priceless Regime. He found this company called Priceless Regime and they, they do that specifically. And you see, you know what I did? I booked a console with them. So my console is tomorrow costs like 60 bucks. I just be booking consoles to everybody. I just be like, I told y'all people with money be booking coaching and consoles like there's nothing. And so I booked a console. It's tomorrow. And I DM'd him, letting him know that I that I reached out to him. He responded to my DM. And I hopefully I can get a, a driver through him. Uh, but if not, my backup plan is to go through that company. I just got to find them. I'm going to find them. It's in my DM somewhere. But I get so many DMs that when it's time to go find something I need, I can't find it. So that's where we are with the truck, man. Really, really close to getting it on the road. Excited because once it is on the road, I have my own authority now. So I'll make way more money. More risk. Insurance is higher. But um i make more money and the goal is just to use that money for my son so just put it aside for him fund his savings account out of that uh, because I, I want to be able to have his whole life funded through passive income and so i want his education to be funded through passive income which is going to cost about a thousand to fifteen hundred bucks a month i want that taken care of i want um i think the income that I bring in through life and through business will take care of like his actual life expenses. Like of course the food, that stuff, but I want like those big chunky expenses. I just want to make sure I have all those things on autopilot. And so we're going to continue to stack assets. Like that's the cool thing about passive income is I'm like, once I get this one truck rolling, what's to stop me from getting truck two? Nothing. I got my own authority. Now I don't got to go through anybody else anymore. I was working with this other dude and it just wasn't a fun experience. He was trying to sun me. I ain't like that too much. He was like, let me explain to you how this works out. Like, nah, you got it. I understand business. I understand what's going on over here. Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. So you think your sneakers look good, huh? Check this out. <laughs> Even the most exclusive sneakers once purchased look identical to everybody else's sneakers. Can I get a holla holla? So how do you take your boring regular sneakers and convert them to unique dynamic sneakers that will stand out? Yo, that answer is easy. You need to get, get, get laced with Get Laced Shoelaces. Yes, yeah, Get Laced is a lifestyle shoelace retailer dedicated to inspiring customers through a unique combination of products, creativity, and cultural understanding. We just want you to upgrade your sneakers. So get laced. Visit GetLacedLaces.com or check us out on Instagram at GetLaced.com. Underscore upgrade your sneakers with a black-owned business that provides international shipping, wholesale, custom, and fundraising options. Upgrade them sneakers, baby. He's a genius, man. Get yours today at getlacelaces.com. Premium sneakers need premium laces. 
Well, let me so, ask you a question for the people. Now, of course, there's levels to this. There's, you know, the difference between just having a CDL and being a driver, and then there's differences owning the truck and being able to get income. Now you could say you got your own authority. Now, explain in layman's terms what's the difference between just owning a truck like you were doing before and having your own authority. What does that mean, having your own authority? So... In order, so this is my understanding of it. I'm still new to this. So I'm still kind of guessing and checking, figuring out as I go along. So one of the most difficult things about when I was trying to get this truck done is trying to find a third-party uh, logistics company. And so essentially like a third-party logistics company, you're going to lease onto that company. And so they run trucks. And so they're going to put the stickers on there and you just basically are giving them your asset. And then you're having your driver drive your asset for that company. Um, I don't know why they do it. I guess they don't want to buy the trucks. They'd rather just do it like that. But that third party logistics company is going to have its own MC number, I believe, its own DOT number, that kind of stuff. So it's just my thought process. I'm really still trying to figure this out. So I can't even educate anybody on this. I wouldn't even try. Um, so now that I have my own authority, I don't have to lease on to anybody else. I can just run by myself. And so now I'm my own trucking company. I get my own insurance and now I hire a driver and that driver works for my company. And so that's how it's going to kind of work. So you can do it that way. I didn't want to do it this way. I was trying to do it the easy way. I called around trying to find Bobtail insurance. Couldn't find Bobtail insurance to save my life. I called around trying to find a 3PL, couldn't find a 3PL to save my life. I'm over here asking people like, who's a good 3PL? I don't know. It depends on where you at. And I'm just like, what the heck? Like everything I thought I was going to be able to do, I can't do. Cause sometimes you buy courses from somebody and they don't live in California. They live in Georgia. They live in Florida. Everything is way different out there. They live in Texas. And so I'm over here scrambling, trying to figure this out. And that's why I landed where I landed. And so essentially um, even if you're like an owner operator, I think you still have to have um, your own authority, but I think, or you can lease on to a different company. I think you can ultimately always lease on to a different company. It's really confusing. And there are so many different things and I'm still learning. And it's just, it's just every time somebody says like, well, do you got this? I'm like, well, maybe I gotta go to get that now. And so like, that's kind of what it comes down to is like, I'm just, just figuring it out as I go, man. It's a, uh, it's scary. It's tough. I'm, I'm, I'm always asking people questions, but I got to um, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah, well, it's kind of like a tweet that you put out. You said you bought the course, but you still got to do the work. Right. Information is not enough. It's not enough, man. You got to put action in. And once you put the action in, you'll run into things that were covered in the course. Maybe because, like you say, you live in a different state than the person who's teaching the course. The laws are just completely different. Mm -hmm. And But you will learn as you go along. And please don't blame the person that did the course. Right. Yeah. So I never blame them. I just, I'm, and that's why I bring it up as like, I know it's different circumstances. It was like, I'm, I'm in California. So, and then also a lot of these people are like so overwhelmed with questions that it's like, I don't really try to go back to them for questions. So like, I might drop them a line or two, but I'm not like harassing them. Like I'm a big boy. I got Google. I can figure this out. I got YouTube. I can figure this out. And so you just got to figure it out and keep, keep hustling. Right. I mean, if the course gets you 70% of the way there, I mean, that's a, that's a long way. To it's better than before when folks weren't sharing this information. Back in the day, folks used to just, would just get rich and you, they wouldn't tell you how they did it. Now we have a sharing economy so people can actually learn these different things. Yeah. Quite honestly, like the e-com thing, Chris's course helped me get to that point. I took Chris's uh, six-figure side hustle course and I saw that he was using Gumroad. I saw what he was using. And for me, a lot of times the biggest barrier is just that technology piece. A lot of times technology doesn't, hasn't yet caught up to our ideas. 
I was using something recently. I forgot what it was. And I was like, the technology is finally caught up to what we're trying to do. So like even Canva, like Canva is dope. You don't got to even hire a graphic designer anymore. Oh, it was Teespring. I was like, Teespring does exactly what I wanted to do. All I want is the profit. I don't want to do the shipping. I don't want to do any of that stuff. I don't have to order inventory. So Teespring is like technology catching up to something I've always wanted to do. You should definitely check it out. All you got to do is come up with the design. You upload it. It gives you a cool little like little preview that looks like it's already printed on the shirt and you just promote it. So I've always wanted to have like that kind of a thing to have merch. And so I got to, of course, order some shirts for myself so I can wear them. But like sometimes technology hasn't caught up to where we're going. Yeah. Now you you had a tweet where you said we don't have enough to be cutting folks off and slandering their name just because a business relationship didn't work out. Never know we might need the very person you cut off. Yeah, I said this from personal experience. I'd be cutting folks off left and right, man. And I gotta stop doing that. Um, because it goes back to the beginning when we were talking about how like we're made to think that we're worthless. And so we tend to think the same about other people. We're like, I don't need you. You ain't shit. Like, no, they are somebody. They are capable of helping you blow up your business. A lot of these people are dope people. Yeah, we might have disagreements. Yeah, business might not work out. But that doesn't mean that you need to start cutting folks off and blocking people and acting like you did it by yourself and you don't need them and they ain't shit. And I've seen it happen so many different times, even through this wave. Like, you guys wonder why, like, nobody talks about Sierra anymore. Because Sierra made some money. She ran off. She thought that she's hot shit. Started blocking people, started muting people. And now we just don't rock with the, uh, each other anymore. Now she's off doing her own thing, making her own connections. And like, I think it's it's sad. And I never wanted to be that person. And I always wanted to make sure that I show respect where respect is due. Um, because you never know. You never know. And it's also just like, I don't know. As a culture, we're not where we are. We're not where we need to be, rather. We have so far to go. And I tell people this all the time. I even told my wife this last time. I was like, a million dollars ain't no money. A million dollars a year is money. And so sometimes people will say like, oh, well, I can't help you because you have too much money or you have all the money or I'm helping you accomplish your goals. I'm like, well, if I'm accomplishing my goals, I'm gonna make sure you accomplish your goals. And so like, I always point out, earn your leisure is so powerful for that, that aspect is Troy put his effort, his energy, his wisdom behind Rashad. But they both won. They both got Range Rovers. They both got Rolexes. They both own the truck. It looks like Rashad's in the front, but they both won. Other cultures understand that. Other cultures know I don't got to be the star. I don't got to be the celebrity. In fact, they don't even want to be the star of the celebrity. The star of the celebrity, it looks glamorous, but there's a lot of people out there that make more than Jay-Z off of Jay-Z. Like that's what we need to get as a culture, knowing that. And I think this is the problem with celebrity worship culture is we think that the celebrity is the only person getting their bag. And if we knew that, we would be okay with just being affiliated with the organization that is this. Because if you help this continue to grow, I'm gonna make sure you eat. If you, if, if we, if, and I've always been willing to be part number, number two, because I understand how it works. Steve Ballmer, he's not Bill Gates. He don't got Bill Gates money, but he has buy a team money. I guarantee you there's people at Apple that ain't Steve Jobs, ain't Tim Cook, but they got bread. I just watched a TikTok and it was about um, the rich wives of Palo Alto up there where all the tech companies are. And she's like, oh yeah, so your husband just got a, uh, 
a management a management job at some tech company and he also invested a bunch of money in bitcoin so welcome to the rich wives club and i was like you don't even got to be at the top of these companies to be rich we tend to think that if i'm not the ceo i'm broke we tend to think that if i'm not making as much money as this dude then i'm broke no get in the room a lot of us would be happy if these fortune five companies just let us in the room but we see a black person doing it and we think we got to be the head we think I'm either the head or I'm not. And if I'm not the head, I'm, I'm doing my own shit. And then none of us have shit. I'd rather us build one Apple, one Google, one Ford. If you saw the movie Ford plus Te Ford versus Tesla, yeah, the CEO of Ford was rich, but everybody in that line, in that C-suite, all the executives were living well, driving well, taking care of their families, all that stuff. We got to realize that it doesn't have to just, you don't have to just be the person at the top. You got to be affiliated. You got to be associated. And that's what I want people to grasp, but it's tough when they've never seen it. If you've seen it, it's obvious. We want to be solo everything. Um, I told my wife, I was like, I've accomplished my dreams and your life is plush. <laughs> so it's like, let's continue to do this because this ain't nothing. We can continue to run it up. There's folks up, they, they're just printing more money to give Jeff Bezos more wealth. Before Jeff Bezos money, it didn't exist. Wealth is unlimited. We got to realize that wealth is unlimited. It just goes on and on and on and on. They didn't just say, Bezos, stop. No more money that can be printed. You can't be any richer. No. He just kept getting richer and richer and richer and richer and richer and richer and richer. Like, that's what I just want people to understand, man. I think, now you mentioned that, I think people have to understand. I think this is difficult for some people to, to understand because they think if one person gets rich, that's a smaller pie for everybody else. But the thing you got to think about, like, let's pretend like the Federal Reserve stopped printing money like it was going, like, like crazy. The, the way people do that, everybody could get wealthy is you just keep the money circulating. It's not like you just take the money and stick in a, a savings account. Even if you do some of it, you get a million dollars, you're not keeping a million dollars. You still got to eat, you still got to live somewhere, you still got to drive transportation pay for gas it's like i get money i give it to you you give it to the next man the money circulates when you circulate along each other, with each other that's how you build wealth it's not i get rich so now you can't get rich because the money doesn't or at least not all the money it doesn't stop with me or charles or whoever it circulates so we can all get rich and that's why we need an economy and we need complementary businesses we need businesses that i as as i grow you grow not as i grow you shink or your growth means I'm losing market share. Like that's the beauty of intelligently creating an economy. So let's say you do graphics. Let's say you're, let's say you're a VA. Let's say you record, you edit podcasts. The more successful that the podcast became, the more successful Donna the Voice came became because we're not competing, which means I can promote you, which means I can use my influence to grow yours and vice versa. That's how you build a community if I do roofs, you shouldn't be like, oh, did he get the money doing roofs? For sure, I'm doing roofs too. Like, no, do siding, do landscaping, do things that complement that. So that then as I'm doing my roof jobs, I'm like, dang, all right, so you, you definitely got to check on my dude. He does siding, he does windows, he does all that stuff. And then you're like, oh, well, I'm doing windows, but you got to get my roof guy. He can hook you up and we're just bouncing the dollar. We're just helping each other win. Like that's what it's supposed to look like. And that's why I try to tell people like when, when Chris and I had different businesses, it was great. I promote what he's doing. He promotes what I'm doing. And then we ended up crossing over. And now it's like, dang, if I promote you, I'm losing money for myself. I don't want it to be like that. I want us to, I, I want us to all be able to grow. 
And it's tough when we cannibalize each other's businesses so often. We just we gotta we gotta we gotta do better, man. Because it's like that's why we stay broke. Like poverty isn't just a lack of money, it's a lack of creativity, it's a lack of ingenuity. And if all you're doing is copying somebody else, you're gonna stay in poverty. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 inside money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at partnerwithmillie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. Okiefa Shades is the premier choice for sunglasses. Top quality, unique, signature, fresh, trendy. Our shades provide significant UV light protection for eyes, and we have the best customer service around. The freshest and trendiest styles for both men and women. The finest shades to fit your style. Okiefa Shades is the premier choice for sunglasses. Visit www.okiefashades.com. That's O-K-I-Y-E-F-A Shades.com. Or on IG or Facebook at Okiefa Shades. Or on Twitter at DJ Ebrock. The other hand, you also said if you hit a glass ceiling, it's an indication that you got to move out and build your own. Uh, I said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said that. If you hit a glass ceiling, it's an indication that you got to move out and build your own building. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've experienced that in jobs all the time, man, where like, you know, you should be getting paid more, but like they just don't want to pay you more, even if you are doing the the job of where you should be operating at a management level or leadership level. It is not getting what you feel like you're owed. And so like, I'm not going to sit there and convince you to love me and to hire me and promote you, promote, promote me. If I have the value, I got the value. I'll go get it. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, my mom recently did that. She was at her job and she felt like she should have been in a different position and they were lagging on the promotion. She moved out and now she gets to do her own thing. She's building her own thing. Which, which is a beautiful thing because now she can go on somebody's podcast. She can go on somebody's group. She can promote her course. She can sell whatever she wants to sell. But like at the job, she had to run everything by other people who don't really have a vested interest in your community. They could care less if your community thrives. They're like, ah, that's against our policy. And she would try, like, one of the biggest things that she did is like, she had released her course and her job was like, you can't do that. You can't do that. And if you do do it, then we have to get paid and we'll just pay you through that. And that's like, that's crazy, right? This is something, this is her intellectual property that she created and they feel like they deserve it. That sounds like some slave shit to me. And so basically that was kind of like the last straw. Um, so she's definitely been having some success. She told me about that. That, that story was crazy. I was like, yeah. I was like nah, you, you're kidding, right? <laughs> they wanted you yeah. to do what? Nah. That was bananas. Was but they feel like, and that's one of the things that I don't like about jobs is the audacity of these N-words to even say something like that to me. Like, the audacity. Like, and this is this is the problem with working a job is, like, people can just, and this is the problem with letting people determine your worth, is they can just tell you, tell you that you ain't shit. Even if it's not true, you just got to accept it because they hold all the cards. And that's why you got to go get your own debt because it's like, I just, I said, I'm dope. You don't get to determine, like, if I'm worthy 
because a lot of times they'll just try to do that to hold your value down. They'll tell you all these negative things about you to hold your value down, not because you aren't really worth it, but because it just makes good business sense to keep your value down so they can keep the company profitable. And they're over here just destroying your, oh, your whole self-esteem, your whole self-worth, making you feel like you, you aren't good enough to do anything, you aren't capable, you aren't competent. And really, it's just a business move. Like, that's what they did to slavery and slaves. They defeated you. They destroyed you. They beat you down. They broke you. Not because they hated you, just for business. All right. That's some stuff right there. We're going to touch on one last tweet before we start wrapping up. In, in, in the light of, I don't, I forget what you said you got this from. I don't know if it was Warren Buffett or, not, or, or, or who, but I know you say a lot, all investing is value in investing. And you had a tweet mm. where you said, when you get a recession, you're supposed to buy the stocks that are on sale, y'all. Not the hype <laughs> stuff. Nonsense. Sheesh. Man. Um, I feel like Dogecoin. I feel like um, the inexperience of a lot of people really showed itself during the recession. And I love these people. They're great. I love them. But for years, people were like, it's a recession coming. It's a recession coming. It's a recession coming. And like, I remember when there was a recession coming. I'll never forget this lady. I was working at Edward Jones during the recession. This lady bought Bank of America stock for like pennies. And she flipped it into like multiple thousands of dollars. She bought, she put like three grand in there, flipped to like 13 grand. I'm like 22. I'd never seen anybody with $13,000 in an account. I was like, she rich. Dang. <laughs> um, but like that just, right. And, but then we also saw all the people that made a bunch of money in the recover of real estate when those things came back. People who bought those cheap properties and made money off the recovery. And speaking of making money off the recovery, we have homes in Detroit, man, that I'm so excited for what is to come. Uh, one of the homes we bought for $11,000, I saw comps for like $50,000 to $100,000. Little, lo and behold, it's like a mile from Dearborn. Great area. Um, could potentially even be getting gentrified. Let me really get our money. Um, there's another house that we have. We bought it. It's in shell condition. And there is a, a rundown building. Somebody renovated and put a boutique in it right across the street. And then the other place, there used to be like a rundown multifamily. This guy just fixed it up, turned it into like a, uh, I don't know what you call it, but it's like a, basically it's a house where people can live there temporarily. But like, it's just crazy. Like all this development is coming and it's increasing the values because we buy the ugly stuff as a principle. What is value investing? Value investing is buying something for less than it's worth, which is what you're supposed to be doing, the true value of it. And so if you look at these homes, you know no home should be selling for $11,000, Raphael. Now with a tenant in it, that's an opportunity. A lot of people are like, oh man, $11,000. Well, how much does it cost to even build that house? Probably like 40, 50 to build it from the ground up. If you can buy an asset for $10,000 in the actual, um, the build value, I forget what they call it. Um, the, the value of the build is 50. That's a deal. That's a deal. And so for me, when I saw all these stocks go on sale, when I saw MGM getting crushed, Carnival Cruises getting crushed, Royal Caribbean getting crushed, American Airlines, um, SPG, all these companies getting crushed, I was like, that is an opportunity. That's an opportunity. And while I'm buying all this stuff, being laughed at because my strategy took a year to play out because it took from March to March to really get my money, everybody's like, I'm buying Nikola stock because it's going to be the next best, it's going to be the next Tesla I'm buying Hertz because Hertz is coming back. I'm buying what are the Kodak. Kodak is coming back. We making money on Kodak. We printing. 
people are just buying a bunch of crap. And I'm like, why are y'all chasing this pump and dump stuff? Like even the stuff that did pump, I like at the end of the day, value matters. Like value matters. And so I bought AMC stock. That was one of my best trades ever. I bought it at like, I bought it at a dollar and then I sold it for like $2. And I was just happy I dumped my money. This is great. And I was like, you know what? This stuff is still undervalued at $2 a share. So I bought a bunch, maybe like 20 grand worth. I think it was like 20 grand worth at two bucks. Cause you have to look at the chart. A lot of people, they're looking at their chart, but they're looking at it like on the daily chart. They're looking at it like a weekly chart, a monthly chart. And they're like, oh, well, it was trading here weekly and monthly. I'm not really concerned with where it was temperamentally. I want to know the actual worth of this stock. So where is it traded and stayed for a long time? And AMC was trading at like $7, I think, before it hit the recession, maybe even more. It might have been trading at like 14 I'm not sure, but it was. It definitely wasn't $2. And so I was like, dang, like it's at $2. If I take 20 grand and it goes back to four, sometimes I'm not even looking for it to go back to pre-recession levels. I just wanted to just go close. Like if it just go back halfway, I'm happy. And I go over that in the crisis money course. But- um, AMC took off like crazy. It was up at like 20 bucks a share, which was way above its pre-recession levels. And so I already knew that the value wasn't, wasn't right, but I know I need to take gains. I ended up selling that stock that I bought at two bucks at like $14 a share. Um, crushed it. Probably my best trade. Not my best day in stocks, but my best trade slash investment. Um, but I was ready to hold it for forever. I wasn't tripping. Um, and so basically what I'm saying is like intelligent investing is looking for opportunities, not chasing opportunities, not chasing hype, not chasing what somebody else tells you to buy. Like congrats for the people who made their money in Doge, but you got to know when it's a gamble or when it's a speculation or if it's an actual investment. And then for it to be an investment, you got to be able to value that investment. There's nothing that supports Dogecoin except Elon Musk tweets. And I don't think that's a good business model. It's not. Doge to the moon. Um, and so basically, yes, you should be speculating. Absolutely. You should be swinging for the fences, but that should not be the majority of your portfolio. That shouldn't be the majority of your strategy. You should have been positioning yourself to buy these different things. People are like, what are you buying? What are you buying? What are you buying? The whole time I told them, I'm just buying the bad. I'm just buying this beat up stuff. I look crazy. I didn't have no new hot ideas for you. I found my, you give me something that's 50% off. If it goes back to where it fell from, that's a hundred percent gain. A 50% loss is a hundred percent gain. A hundred dollars stock that goes down to 50 bucks. If I buy it at 50 bucks, if it goes back to a hundred, I don't make 50%. I make a hundred percent. Most people don't make a hundred percent on their trades. Nobody makes a hundred percent on their trades. Not on a safe trade. These trades were so safe that not only was I able to make the money, I made money on big money. And that's what makes it make the most sense because it was it was a trade, but it was safe. Why is it safe? Because it fell and then it fell and then it met like a support line. There's a, there's a price that every stock will find a buyer for that it's not going to fall beneath. Once I found that support level, I knew this is a safe place to buy. Worst case scenario, maybe I lose another 10 to 15%. I'm okay with that because I know the risk to reward is I lose 10% to make 100%. I'm okay with that. And that's how you invest. That's the intelligent way to invest. The way people are investing, I started out like that. You see green, you're like, oh man, money, 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 money. I need that money. And that's how people do it. And then they get clapped on the reversal because all these stocks that go up really high, they always trend down for a few different reasons. Sometimes people are taking profit. Sometimes the valuation just people know it's unsustainable. Sometimes it's, it's too much. It's irrational exuberance. 
And so I just, I had to get back in the drawing board. I was like, dang, how do the successful investors invest? Let me research what successful investors are doing and not just try to be out here just winging it. So I looked up Peter Lynch. That's where I got the principle of investing in what you know and understand. I looked up Warren Buffett. That's where I got the concept of value investing. And then from Warren Buffett, you find Benjamin Graham. He talks about the same thing. And it just made sense. I tried it. Instead of chasing the green, I started chasing the red. I started making money. And I was like, this is great. Because just like a stock that gets crushed, just like a stock that, that flies, cracks down, a stock that goes down, cracks up. And if I'm long, I want to be on the other end of the correct upside. And it has to. It's always going to happen. It always happens. I made as Buku long as money. A quality, as, long as, a as long as it's a quality company. Right. And we know that Las Vegas isn't going anywhere. We know airlines aren't going anywhere. We know cruise lines aren't going anywhere. If it was a dead industry, maybe. But like these are these are stables. Malls aren't going anywhere. Movie theaters aren't going anywhere. People are just waiting. Those are opportunities. That's what we do this for. Recondition your thinking. Recondition your thinking. It's not sexy. It's not sexy. People are like, oh, well, it's not the next Tesla. But do you know if it's really the next Tesla? I've made the mistake too. I've bought stuff like that. I've bought stuff that was new up and coming technology and it didn't pan out for me so like all the mistakes that people are making i've already made them i bought a company called fcl that was supposed to be uh, a replacement for alternative energy i've bought all kind of stuff i've bought dead companies thinking they're going to come back every mistake that they're making now i've already made right, change your thinking people you're thinking you want to shout out to all the sponsors and advertisers of the show first and foremost Todd Capital sponsored by every every show and Todd Capital Mastermind Group in particular come join us get your business straight shout out to uh, Pure Body Company for your all natural body care needs shout out to Okieffa Shades with the finest shades to fit your lifestyle shout out to Get Lace Laces because premium cakes need premium laces and shout out to Noble Supply part of the Todd Capital Mastermind Group we're waiting for my brush brother to get soon can't wait trying to get fresh but on that note, I want to leave you guys with one last tweet from Charles to think about find a way to provide quality for a bargain price and eat forever. So for Charles Oglesby and myself, oh, be sure to follow us on Twitter, of course. Follow myself, Raphael, at Work Money Life. Follow Charles at Real Todd Billion on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. You can follow Charles on Instagram at Todd Billion and also Todd Capital at Todd.Capital. Follow us, subscribe to the show, share it with your friends friends today you know episode 87 tweet talk the black wealth podcast with rafael and charles we are out peace peace yeah, yeah. Yes, this is Donald the Voice, the official podcast editor and producer of the Tweet Talk podcast, featuring, of course, Charles Oglesby and the man Raphael Husbands. And look, man, if you just listen to this episode, then you know exactly what I'm capable of. You know my swag, you know what I can do. And so without any further ado, I kind of want to give you a special offer for Tweet Talk Podcast episode listeners. And here's what it is. Head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. And if you have podcasts or video editing needs, let's talk. And of course, I'm giving you a real, real nice deal. But you have to mention that you're a Tweet Talk podcast listener. And this offer isn't going to last forever. So if you're on social media or you have a business or you got something going on to where you need somebody to edit and produce your content, come and holla at your boy. And I promise to take care of you, our dedicated listener to the Tweet Talk podcast. Again, head over to DonaldTheVoice.com and hit the contact page and let's have a little conversation. Okay, back to your day, your evening, your morning, whatever's going on. Peace.